What's going on, everyone? Just want to give you a quick heads up before you start this show. So we had an amazing time talking to Dr. Asase Obo, who is a medical resident at the Osler Medical Residency Training Program at the John Hopkins Hospital. She is a photographer. She is a content creator. She does it all. We did this show a little while back, but we thought this was the best time to share with all of you. This is a great show for anyone who's going through a trying season and just need a little bit of encouragement. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. All right, everyone, this is Brian from We Don't Know Yet, a podcast where we learn something new every day. And we have a special guest today. We've been waiting for this show for a long time. Y'all been asking for this show. So, so happy to have Asose here today with us. Thank you for being here. I got it. So glad to be here. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. That's how you start that show off. So thank you for being here. We're hyped. Uh, we have so much to talk about. You matched this week or earlier this week. And yeah, God's I'm great, hyped. Man. I'm hyped for you. <laughs> you see a black woman shining. So congrats. So first and foremost, what does your name mean? Because folks out here messing up names. Tell them what it means. <laughs> I was about to say, y'all, I was just on the uh, Roland Martin unfiltered last night, real random request for the Student National Medical Association. And they asked me before I started, like, how do you say your name? And so I always tell people that aren't like Nigerian or, you know, aren't really, aren't really invested. I just say it's Asase. Just think about awesome. Asase. Last name is Oboe, like the instrument. And, you know, they'll get it. But they told him, mm. I don't know what they told him that meant. All love, all love, you know. He oh, so so so. I don't even know. I gotta rewatch it. <laughs> I gotta rewatch it. It was just, it was just a little interesting, and he caught it because I smiles funny. He was like, "Am I saying that right?" I told him to, you know, correct me. You do. And I was like, uh, "Yeah, it's awesome." Um, but it means God's own. I'm Ishan, uh, said tribe in Nigeria, the best of the best of the best tribe. Please don't, really? don't argue with me. Oh, yeah. Don't oh, argue with really? me. <laughs> what the- Thing one and thing two, please, 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 please. Don't uh-huh. argue with me. Okay. <laughs> Edo State's finest. Yeah. Period. Period. Yeah, let them know. So God's own. So own. when people ask you, what do you do? What do you tell them? Shoot. A and whole what, lot of stuff. Don't be, don't be <laughs> humble. Don't be humble. This is not your time to be humble. We tell tell everybody what, what, what is if we get down to the definition of humble I don't even know what it means mm. I, uh, <laughs> actually to be quite honest because I think all of the things that I do are I think things that God has called me to do so I'm just being obedient so I don't even feel I don't even there's no pride honestly mm. pride is pride is like is something that I, I I try to fight and make sure that I'm like as far away from it as possible but I just try to be obedient. So I feel like God has given me a couple different talents. I feel and talents slash callings, right? So I feel like he has called me into the field of medicine. So I'm a fourth year med student, newly matched, newly minted, a uh, future yeah. internist. He is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going into the field of internal medicine. Um, that comes the medicine part. Um, I think that God has gave me very unique eyes as he's given all of us. And he has given me the talent of photography. So I'm also a professional photographer. Recently turned content creator in the pandemic. 
mm. um, which has been really interesting. Uh, I am the national president of the Student National Medical Association, which I realized over the past year or two years, rather, it's a big freaking deal. Mm. Um, we're the largest and oldest organization that focuses on diversifying the face of medicine, that focuses on supporting minority communities, as well as the students that come from them. So really supporting underrepresented mm. uh, students in medicine to help them from elementary to med school to get out and to graduate and to become physicians. And I am a product of that pipeline. So super blessed and honored to get to serve the organization as the national president, finishing up my term in two weeks, I think, two to three weeks, something like that. So uh, very blessed to have been able to serve on the board for so long. I'm sure there's other things. I'm definitely a mentor, <laughs> definitely a mentor. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of other things, but those are just like the things on the top of my list. Cause that's probably what I touched today. <laughs> Sheesh. So, yeah. I mean, the first thing when somebody hears that list, they're like, when does this lady sleep? Like, right. do you feel like it's a <laughs> lot? Do you feel like it's too much? I mean, now you're kind of at the end, right? You kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, at least I'm, I'm assuming so, mm -hmm. but most people just trying to get through med school. That's it. Some folks just want to be a content producer and that's it. So how yeah. are you doing all these things concurrently and how are you staying just equipped to keep going? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think a lot of people tend to ask me like, how, how do you maintain balance? And I, truly, I truly believe there's no such thing as balance. I think that I'm able to do all of these things because I don't do them all at once. There's no way. So I'm very much... Uh, conscious of time. Time is something that gives me anxiety, not even gonna lie. I grew up with my daddy who at 9 a.m. Mm. is telling me the day's almost gone. Why are you still in bed? <laughs> so <laughs> Why I are you that, still in bed? <laughs> why are you still in bed? So that energy has definitely, uh, hmm, his energy rubbed off on me for sure, for sure. So I am very, I think, efficient with my time. Uh, even when it comes to resting, and making time for it, I'm like, all right, my day's ending at 8 p.m. And phone is on, do not disturb. Don't call me, don't hit me up. Anything I could have done, I did. If I didn't do it by eight, it's too late. So mm. I think, um, yeah, I've had to really just practice being efficient with my time, time management, and also realizing that I'm not superwoman and I can't do it all in one day. So if I'm only giving myself an hour to do content creating or another 30 minutes of my day to edit photos that I took two months ago, then that's what it is. You know, mm -hmm. so I think um, I'm able to do it all because I've really learned how to give myself grace, especially throughout med school. I had no choice but to give myself grace because you got to study. Studying is like the priority. So I'm sorry that I had to disappear for a few seconds there, guys. That I, I couldn't not answer <laughs> that. Um, but uh, I'm really curious, how long have you, I guess, how long have you wanted to get into medicine? And then also along with that, how long have you had great habits as far as like time management, the ability to do all of these different things um, and do them at a really, really high level. Because for a lot of people, like even people our age, I don't know how old you are. I'm 28. I think you're maybe you? 29. 29. 29. Yeah. Some people are still trying to like get a handle on that and figure that out. So like, have, yeah. was this grilled into you because of like your dad, like you mentioned, was it something from since you were young? Like what's the deal there? Yeah. You know, I don't think so. I'm trying Ooh. to think back. I don't even know when it, started you know I think like growing up it's like okay so if I want to do what I want to do 
I got to finish what they want me to do before I can do what I want to do, you know? So maybe, maybe mm-hmm. it started back then trying to figure out how do I be the finesser of time? How do I clean and do my chores in the quickest way possible so that I can still, you know, do whatever else I'm trying to, I'm trying to do, you know what I'm saying? So I think right. that maybe my mind has been on time for longer than I knew. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you know, ugh. time is such a interesting, interesting thing. Um, but I think I didn't really get a grasp of how important time was maybe until after college because college was rough Mm -hmm. I went to UCLA we had a quarter system which means we got 10 weeks to to learn and handle finals that's Mm -hmm. nothing like oh my Mm -hmm. gosh and so I realized how quickly time moved with those with those quarter systems and especially I didn't have any mentors even though I was searching for them on Google and everything um and in terms of like trying to pursue medicine, I came into to college knowing that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and so having to figure out how to make the most of those 10 weeks, I think is what started me on this path of being a little bit more reflective about how I'm using it. So I graduated, mm-hmm. GPA was trash, confidence was trash. And I'm like, what did I just spend four years doing? Cause I ain't going to med school right now. <laughs> you know, like the goals that I, that I had set for myself in the beginning were not attainable. So I had to sit back and think like, okay, well, what did you get done? You became a photographer, sis. You taught yourself. You started having like a hundred grad portrait sessions every grad season, which is very successful. You know what I'm saying? Damn, actually. GPA, I know. You said a hundred a session? A hundred. No, a hundred. Oh, I, pay, I charge a hundred a session, but I had a hundred sessions. You had a hundred sessions. Man, you charge hundred percent. Do the man. Do the man. Do the man. cost yeah. you. That was not bad. It's not bad. Wow. Um, yeah, that was probably the, the, by the year I graduated. No, by third year, that was third year because fourth year I was graduating. So I was, I did a little less. Um, but I think I had to be, I had to really think about it. Like, okay, girl, you are smart. So why is your GPA so low? Why, did you, when you were studying, were you actually studying or were you chopping it up? Or were you mm-hmm. consoling somebody? Or were you doing this, that, and the third? And then you leave the study space feeling like you did something. So I think I, I, I became really reflective about like, how was I actually spending my time? What was taking up like my mental space where I couldn't actually use my time to the best of my ability? It's like, again, like I think a lot of things that I do stem from trying to be as Christ-like as possible. And, and, and part of that is like, okay, well, am I being a good steward of the time that I got? And I wasn't. College, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Other people will be like, girl, well, you you made money. Money was money to the GPA. Now the GPA yeah. let me get into school. <laughs> so now I'm sitting here like what I I'm getting mm. denials to bum bum bummy bum bum school and nobody knows Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. girl, that is not that is not who God created you to be. You're at Quay. So sorry. That's what gotta spill out. Let it spill out. <laughs> But you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to sit there and be like, okay, girl, we are, you ain't spending time with the Lord. So like, right. that's already one thing. Like you're already, you missing out on the number one center, the, the one thing that centers you and grounds you. You're not doing that. You spending time with people that aren't focused on the future. They focus on the now and that's mm-hmm. messing you up. Like you ain't really studying girl. Cause you probably study for 30 minutes and you in that room for five hours. So mm-hmm. when it comes to time management, I think it was like a gradual thing. And as I kept chasing the Lord, I began to realize, well, God is gracious. And he is the one that is giving me this time that is not promised. 
So give yourself grace. You have these things that you feel God is leading you to and pushing you to. Organize your week, pray over it. And what and what what happens, happens, sis. Don't sit here beating yourself up because now you're wasting time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you need to give yourself grace. Like if you feel like, okay, I want to be in vogue and you're not getting in vogue six months past and now you're beating yourself up about it, let it go and keep it pushing. Keep, keep like, this is me talking to myself in third person, kind of, sort of. Um, mm-hmm. But keep taking pictures of people and their families and keep giving them discounts because they can't afford it. Because you're still changing and impacting a life right there. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not reaching the goal that you might have set for yourself, you're reaching what possibly is what God's goal for this gift. Right? So again, when it came to time management, it came, it became more of like, okay, God, you're going to show me why my time was spent this way. I'm going to keep giving myself grace with the goals that I feel like you're giving me. And hopefully we're going to make it eventually. Because now I'm sitting here. And then one of the major goals of my life that has been the hardest to reach, mm-hmm. I've made it. I've made it. And I feel like I was always saying, like, God, are we there yet? When am I going to get there? Because I'm tired. <laughs> and we're it's here. It's a long road. And it's you're, a you're long here. road. Yeah. yeah. So you just got to so- give yourself grace through it all, for real. Time management, all of it. It's a constant reflection and fine tuning. I'm still not the best, and I'm still going to get better. So imagine what the future holds. <laughs> mm-hmm. they're, they're ready. So for those who, because we've been saying match, we've been saying you hear, some folks may not know what that means. So what does that mean mm-hmm. for you to have matched with the hospital? Uh, what does that mean when you say you got your number one choice? What does that all mean? And what was the, kind of the journey? Because again, some people think that it's four years of school at UCLA. Did you do four years after that? Like, what did you have to yeah, do? What yeah. was that timeline look like? Yeah, so so pursuing medical school can look different ways. I'm considered non-traditional, but I truly believe there's no tradition. Our lives are our lives and every everyone's path is very unique. So it doesn't matter which way it goes as long as you end up at your destination. So I did four years of undergrad at UCLA. Got my bachelor's of science in biology. Sucked, hated it. Um, then I ended up getting my master's of public health uh, with a focus in global health leadership at the University of Southern California. I'm a Bruin, Trojans are our rivals, so I'm a Brojan, but whatever, we're not talking about that. Uh, then I did a one-year uh, post-bac program at Charles R. Drew University, also in LA, before finally getting into medical school uh, at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine, where I ended up choosing to go with my sister. We mm-hmm. both, that was the one program that we both got into. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I definitely applied to medical school before that. My Nigerian parents are very, very strong-minded. They have learned at this point, but they made me do a lot of things I wasn't ready for back in the day before I finally was like, look, you people are being, you people are being, you don't even know you're helping the devil mess with my life. Be on Jesus' <laughs> side. Shut up and get behind me because you don't understand this process. Love you though. Um, they definitely understand it now. I'm like, dang, mom's so sorry. Anyways, healing processes. So, um, got into Michigan State. That's a four-year program. All med schools are four years unless you end up getting into like a primary care track situation that they're starting to do, which are three years. But four years is the tradition. I went to an MD school, so an allopathic medical school. There's also osteopathic where you get the degree that's called DO. Um, and they also learn like some more hands-on kind of training. Um, but still, same, pro- same, same material, same stuff. Four years, at the end of your four years, when you're getting into your fourth year, you have to apply to residency. 
that is training before you can become a full-fledged, fully paid attending. As a resident, you are paid about a sixth of the normal salary, somewhere between a fifth mm. and a sixth. Real small, real small, depending on the city and state that you are, that you match into. So the residency process, it's kind of like applying to med school all over again, but a little worse. Uh, and why is that? It's because you apply and you pay to apply, but now you're paying to apply to a job. Does that make sense? No, no. Uh. not at all. So you have to, you know, pick as many programs as you want to apply to. Uh, the norm is like 25 plus. Anyone applying less than, they must be very confident. But anybody going into residency, going into match, you shouldn't be. Because mm. you never know. Um, and so it's basically like creating an online CV is what the application is. But also with your personal statement, letters of rec, et cetera, et cetera. Once you apply, the programs that you apply to, they all have, they all get access to your application on one day. Because of the pandemic, it was pushed back. Traditionally, that's in September. This year was pushed back to October. And so on October 21st, all residency programs got access. And then it's their opportunity now to offer you an interview. You want to get as many interview invites as possible. Once you pass 10, 10 is like the safety number. So the the statistics is that for each for each interview you get that's a 10 percent chance of you matching at the end of the day so that means if you get 10 you're at 100 percent. you should match to one program you can only match to one program but you should match period so you kind of sit and wait and pray for interviews once you get the interviews you can choose to go to each interview if you pass 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever your goal number is in your mind you can start canceling interviews that you're not really hype about so maybe you decided that you didn't think you were competitive. You decided to apply to Nebraska, a place you would never want to live. Mm -hmm. You can then deny, you can then actually say like, hey, I'm so sorry. Please give that interview spot to somebody else. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not interested, whatever. So you get those interview invites. Pre-pandemic, you would have to travel to each interview location. Not, it was paid for by your own pocket. Interview, Ubers, suits, hotel, whatever, all of it. All of it, very expensive. So pandemic is virtual. All you need is a laptop, a little ring light situation. You can wear the same suit every every time. That's what I did. Um, so it definitely brought the cost down, but okay. You end up going through all your interviews. It's fall to like February. Anyone interviewing in February, them, them programs playing games. They should offer you that interview before. Why are you playing? Because uh, February is cutting it real close. So once you finish all your interviews, you then have to create your rank list. So there's a program called the National Residency Matching Program, and that's where you're gonna submit your rank list to. So that means you're ranking your programs from one to 10 or one to 12, however many you interviewed at, and then you submit it to that program. It's certified, verified, done, and you sit and wait. The programs do the same thing. So if they have like 10 slots, they fill them up, and they also can put like a second second round draft pick. Like these are the other people that I wanna fill in the spots if I don't get these people. So we both submitted mm -hmm. to the same program, an algorithm computer situation goes and matches everybody together. And on match week, on the Monday of match week, which is the third week of March, you find out whether you matched. That means you got a job. If you do not match, you do not have a job. You cannot pass go. You cannot collect your money. You cannot do anything <laughs> without residency training. So you can graduate mm -hmm. from medical school and not be able to actually really use your degree. Wow. Very unfortunate, very unfortunate. Yeah. 
all those loans and you stuck on go. So you want to get that email. If you get that email, then on Friday, you find out exactly where you match to. All of the programs find out on Thursday at 3 p.m. EST. Why? I don't know. It's stressful. It's very disrespectful to me. I paid. I don't know if school's paid, but I paid. And I got to wait. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and then for those people that don't match, there's another opportunity to try to get one of the spots that were not already filled or for you to switch specialties and then go in and apply into a different specialty and try to get one of those spots too that wasn't filled. If you don't match that way, you kind of you kind of got to figure out how, what am I going to do for the next year to boost my application because I'm you're about to apply again come the fall. So you you're kind of stuck in limbo until you apply again, go through the interview process again, and try to secure a spot. So a lot of people tend to do research or find some way to to make money and also bolster their application and be like, this is why I'm going into this specialty. Um, but you know, I've had I've had a couple of friends that even though they didn't match, spots can still, people can still drop their spots because people, life is happening. Like there's people whose family members pass and they're like, yo, I can't take this spot right now. I gotta withdraw and try to do it next year or see if they'll mm -hmm. let me defer for a year. And that opens a spot up for somebody else. So I have friends that matched the day before work was supposed to start. Like they matched in June and had to move th that week. Wow. So either way, either way you flip it, once you match you're you're solid, so. I'm I'm really curious because um, there, there's a lot there, but you you have African parents, right? And I think yeah. not just not just within Af the African community, but like all cultures like Asian parents, Indian parents, etc. There's these expectations that your parents mm -hmm. hold over you. There's things yeah. that when you don't meet those expectations, especially growing up, that hurts, that hits, and it's stressful. Right? I know a lot of individuals that are doing things or they're in, I guess, majors, et cetera, because it's what their parents want them to do. Um, so for you, what kind of, did that ever cause you a struggle in terms of your journey to where you are right now and what you're doing right now? And how did you navigate those waters? And when did you, I guess, figure out that you can't necessarily meet all of their expectations or do everything perfectly like they want you to do. And even if you don't manage that, you're not a failure because for the longest time, I thought that I was a failure because I did not meet the expectations of my mm. parents until I actually yeah. made something in terms of what I currently do. Yeah. Yeah. So give me, give me one second. Is there, is there a way to like, hold on. I'll pause. I can pause. I'm so sorry. There you go. Now you look. Man back there, it's a whole situation. Oh shoot. Um, failure, parents' expectations. How'd you navigate? Cool. Mm -hmm. Did I get it? Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, I mean, with my, I can hear them through my headphones. Hold on. Let me <laughs> you know, like when uh, when your kids are like running through the house, or when we used to run through the house. And somebody's on the phone. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Did I, did I tell y'all to stop running through the? <laughs> Sorry, I'll be right back. Stop running through the house. All right, what'd you yeah. say? Okay. All right. So, uh, in terms of like my parents' expectations, I will say I had. I mean, I'm the third of four, mm. so I had people above me if that makes sense. But I will say our, our journeys were all very different because I was, so, I mean, the older one, that's who they try to make sure is perfect, right? So 
they'll do anything that they think they can that is that is that is right for that child um, and whatever they feel is a sacrifice. And so I think that that was what my brother had to deal with, kind of like that experimenting type situation. My sister was the first girl, so there's all there's so many things that are associated with that. So I think with being the second girl and the third child, I think. I don't know. I've also always been very strong-minded and I, I have a very good heart. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I think the difference between all of us was that I really, I was a people pleaser, which is very good for, for Nigerian parents. Mm-hmm. Um, very good because I'm trying to make you happy and I will be stressed to the point just so I can make you happy. So for the longest time, I was the one with the 4.0. No one else. I was the one. I was the one that when I did decide to play sports, it's just God, God blessed it. And I was at, I was popping. Just don't, you can catch me on the course now. Cause I'm not like that. Like I didn't, not like I used to be basketball. I can't dribble for my life these days. That's not even, yeah. vol- volleyball. I still got a little hops though. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I could still do a little something, but I was good. So it's like, there wasn't anything that I didn't put my mind to that I wasn't good at. Like it was maybe, it was a handful of things, but the main thing that they cared about, the A's, that's, and if the A's aren't there, that's because she's too busy and she distracted, pull her out of that step, focus on the A's because you're the Ivy League child. So the, the whole the whole controlling crap that was there, um, excuse my French, that was definitely there. Um, and so I think when it came to college, they chose everything. I was not invested about my education because they would not let me have a choice. Uh, until I think my mom got too scared. Mom, if you hear this, y'all know I still love you, mom and dad, just in case it'd be pull you just did. My mm. mom got scared, thought I wasn't going to get into any Ivy Leagues. And she was like, well, she's guaranteed into UC Riverside. You need to let her apply to UCs because if she doesn't get in, it's on you. You know, you know, they're so extra. Mm-hmm. And so they let me pick three UC schools. I picked UCLA just because everybody was applying to UCLA. I just want to see if I get in again. Did it literally didn't care. Um, and then, of course, UCR. And then I was like, man, UC San Diego is far. I tried to do UC Berkeley. My dad was like, uh-uh, hippies. No, 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 what? no, no, no. That's it. That's literally, he was like, uh-uh, those liberal hippies, they'll be walking around naked. No, 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 no. I was like, dad. Oh. Dad, do you know how biased you are? I mean, I didn't have the words back then, but I was like, are you serious? Jaw on the ground. Um, so I ended up getting into all of those. And I think, and so UCLA had like an Advent weekend where all the black people could come together. You get hosted, you stay for the weekend, you get to explore the campus and whatever. And I just felt peace. And it's really hard to describe because the one school other than those that I chose was Georgetown. And I got into Georgetown and they also had an Advent weekend. So I came out to DC for the first time, but my parents were like, wait, Georgetown? Oh, we all going. So they came as well. Mm-hmm. And I got into Howard too, because my mom's friend, it's always somebody's friend, but her, my mom's friend had told them that Howard was great. I could get into a BS MD program, which is bachelor's straight through to med school. Um, and she was like, oh girl, that's what you need to be doing. You should have applied to all of these places in the beginning. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't even know that they existed. So um, ended up touring Howard as well. So to- Howard and UCLA were very similar to my father because they had no gates. So it was like, they were in the streets, if that makes sense to you. Everybody could walk in and everybody could walk out, including his daughter. And he was like, oh, nope. See the, see the way the, 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 the streets are just inside the school. Anybody <laughs> can just come in. You can just walk out. 
it's not good, <laughs> you know, this like, he's like, no, no, no. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I'm sure somebody looked at me a certain way and he was like, uh-uh, right. boys, nope. So I ended up going to Georgetown and we walked in and they closed the gate behind us. And he was like, that's the one. Hmm. He was like, this is what God has, this is what God has brought. I'm like, don't use God in this. He got to verify <laughs> that with me too, man. No, I know who he is. Um, and so I ended up deciding that, you know, Georgetown, I felt, it felt weird. And I don't know if because of y'all, or was the East, East Coast vibes, man, I don't know. Mm. But I was like, you know, it's not for me. And so I had to take a stance, I think, at an earlier age than my siblings did about what I felt God was calling me to. Literally, that was all it was. I was like, this is obedience. I ain't never felt that peace before. I was literally walking and I just felt like, like I just released a deep breath. Mm. You know, like I don't even know how to describe it. And I was like, oh, no, girl, you didn't even want to come here. This is, this is in their backyard. They don't come pick you up, sis. You know, but I'm like, but that piece, though, I think I'm supposed to be here. I think it, I don't know why. I know why mm-hmm. now. That's a part of my story. Failure is a part of my story. Or failure by failure is a part of my story. And so overcoming is like, I'm like a phoenix rising from the ashes right now. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't mention it here, but I matched to Johns Hopkins for internal medicine, which is where internal medicine started. This yeah. is number one in the in the world. Yeah. Quite honest. For internal medicine, we're gonna real talk about it. So God brought me from here. He humbled me in every case of the word to remind me, like, just know that it's me that's taking you somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be you, and the world's gonna know it ain't you, girl. If you tell them what the true story is, they gonna know it's not you. And that is literally what my story is. The girl that mm. had a two point something undergrad, that had a Lolo MCAT, came to medical school, handled mm. the business, led this, did this, did this, did this, how? Everybody asking how. All I could do is point up mm-hmm. and be like, God. So when it comes to my parents and their failure, God superseded them from back then. They didn't talk to me for two months when I told them I was going to UCLA. One, because <laughs> Howard was full ride. My mom was like, my money. <laughs> I'm not talking. <laughs> my dad was like, Georgetown, how dare you disobey me? So it was like, either way, everybody was mad at me and I just had to sit through it. And it was very traumatic. Mm. We're not in that same place now by the grace of God, but I started out in their eyes, disobedient. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, but I was on the right path in terms of what God wanted for me. So I brought, he brought it back to me anyways. So if, if there's any Nigerian kids you know, on here, I, my number one, my number one advice to folks, any immigrant family, your parents probably calling you down to family meetings anyhow, any time of the day. Sit them down and have a family meeting and tell them what your dreams are, what your goals are. If God is in your life, tell them where, tell them where you feel he's calling you to. Where does he give you peace? There's nowhere that he won't bring you that there isn't peace there. Even mm. in the midst, there's fire burning all around. You'll still have peace in the middle of it. So... I no longer feel it's, it's definitely been like a constant, like uh, battle of like, okay, am I where God wants me to be? Cause I feel like um, my parents are mad at me again. They I'm getting an attitude from them again. I'm not disobedient. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy either. You know? So it, it definitely took a while. So definitely just stick with, stick with where you feel God is calling you to. They, they happy now. <laughs> Amen. We receive that. So we need a, we need to give you a, a pulpit because you need to add pastor 
oh, to your Lord. list of accomplishments of Pastor Oboe. You gotta let these people know. know. So, but I think that the three of us here we're we're all believers, and I think that it's mm. powerful to hear your testimony, right? To see where yeah. you were and where you are now, and it's not just through your strength. So I think that's very yeah. powerful to hear. Now I wanna. I want to ask because everybody heard that story. And if I counted right, that's like 11 years in school. Am I, am I, am I on point or is my math off? Are you, are you including college? I'm including oh. college. So you said four at UCLA, four, two, then two at USC, then yes. one postdoc Four, yeah, it's a lot of years, yeah. right? Yeah. That's over a yeah. decade in school to get to this dream place that you're at and all the different mm-hmm. things that you're a part of. Now, you've mentioned that you're a photographer, but you didn't say that your pictures are in magazines. You talked about how you're a content producer, but you didn't mention that you're on commercials. I'm on the West Coast. And I was like, hey, I, I know that I know that woman because I just talked to her the other day. So you didn't mention that you're in commercials, nation, nationwide commercials. So again, we talk about doing a little bit, and I love the time management um, mentorship that you provided, those like skills, that skill set to think about your time in an effective way. But how do you do all these things at a very high level? I, again, it's not everybody that's just putting pictures out and you see them in a magazine and they're a doctor and they're doing this, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like a lot of times they say that you are a master of one thing or you are you know, someone who attempts to do, you're, you're kind of that jack of all trades, but you're not really a master at anything. So how do you, when you talk about mastership or when you talk to your mentees, how do you tell them how to master the craft that they're in? You're on mute, my friend. There we go. Okay. I was like, what's happening? You know, I think, uh, I mean, even, <laughs> I didn't mention those things because they wasn't relevant to the conversation extremely relevant um at the time they were not they were not relevant to the medicine journey you know different 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 focuses different folks mm. um hmm i wouldn't necessarily say that i'm a master um i know the, the people that i know that are out here you know doing photography full-time that are editing all the time and, and knowing like what's up what's new on like the tech I know that I am not a master of photography definitely not I would say that I'm good in sharing my view or my perspective and so it still can elicit an emotion from people and still have people saying like wow your photography is bomb appreciate it thank you thank you thank you wouldn't say that I'm a master um same when it comes to content creating I'm just I'm learning I'm literally learning as I'm going and it's and I think the beauty, though, either way, about all the things that I'm in, it's that I, sure, there are times I've jumped the gun, but I truly try to do it based on, like, God's timing. Like, I could have done this content creating thing years ago, but it's something that I have never wanted to do. I never felt led to do. I didn't see what my purpose could be in the space or how I could, what, what I could do to add to it. I didn't see, I didn't see what, what, I, what it looked like. So I didn't, I didn't pursue it. I kind of, I, I, if an opportunity came to me that I was okay with, sure. I would say, I would say yes. But most of the time I said, no, mm. like, I know we're talking about commercials and billboards, but the first time the figs asked me to come and shoot with them for something, I see new, no, I got to study because mm. I was like, uh, excuse me. I'm not comfortable. 
if it's if you, I take the picture, you know what I'm saying? I'll shoot it for you. Have someone edit it because I ain't even got time to do that. But no, ma'am. And it ended up coming back around like six months later or something. And at this point, like at least I have I have my friends and family and they're people that I like trust that I share when opportunities like this arise. And they'll be the ones that might slap me and say, girl, if you don't do this for us that can't, I'll slap you. You know what I'm saying? So I had the right people, I think, in my corner that were like, just do it, girl. Just do it. You don't know what God might use you for in this space. I know you're uncomfortable, girl, but God will be with you. You know, so that was when I ended up saying yes. But I have had several opportunities where I was just no, just because I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. So I think when you said, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you, but it's just like, I I think that's an interesting point. You said you didn't feel comfortable because you maybe felt that it was a misfit as far as the opportunity and what you were doing going for, or was it also that, you know, being behind the camera versus in front of the camera, you're also uncomfortable about that as well. Could you expand on that? Definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was very uncomfortable in front of the camera. Uh, Sometimes I still am. I think that I've done, I've tried to do as much as I could to make myself comfortable because I just want to be comfortable in all spaces. So that again, so that God can use me in all spaces even though I'd be fighting with him, like, why are you trying to send me over there? But um, I, I, I had already started like the work personally to try to be comfortable in front of the camera. Uh, and so when they reached out, I was just like, oh no, I've seen y'all. I know y'all have billboards and stuff and I'm not a model. So that's, that's a dub, that's a dub. That's, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. It just made my skin crawl. You know what I mean? And so I was like, you know what God, you know, maybe next time. If this is you, you're going to bring it back. I, I didn't even feel bad about it. I was just like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, I talked that so quick. I didn't even ask or ask for or tell my sister about it or try to gain wisdom because, you know, godly counsel is really good. I didn't ask nobody. I just said, no, I'll forget. And I know majorly, the majority reason was because I was like, I'm not comfortable in front of the camera and I'm going to feel all types of unworthy, all types of ugly Y'all mm. might not have a black hairstylist. Y'all might not have a person that can do black makeup. I will not be looking crazy in the app. Mm. And then it just be out there. Mm-mm. No. Right. I can study. Yeah. So definitely, um, definitely uh, a couple different reasons why. But yeah. Now, how did the opportunity for becoming the president of SN- the SNMA come up? Because when I was looking at that, I was like, oh, my God, this is is huge and you you know you just got matched but you've i don't know how long you've been the president so how did that work when did that happen and like what do you do yeah yeah so uh with the snma so oh i mean i've been on the board of directors i was on the board of directors for a year before i ended up deciding that i wanted to run for president so the way that it works is that we have about 40 medical students that run our national board but we're made up of 10 regions. We're in over 140 medical schools in terms of our local chapters. I think about 120 or so undergrad chapters. So we're pretty, we're pretty, we're big, we're big. Uh, I like to say our headquarters is small but mighty, but in number and membership, we're pretty large. And so I had just been able to see so many folks that just grew within the organization. Like it's a very safe space for you to figure out, you know, uh, your your leadership style and, and just really learn about yourself and contribute to a great cause and a great mission. And so I, I knew that I could offer a lot of uh, skills and talents in regards to like external affairs. Like I was already a photographer. I had helped companies rebrand in the past um, when I was just freelancing as a professional photographer. 
And so I felt like I could bring that to the organization because I'm like, man, I didn't know about it in undergrad and it would have changed my life, you know? And so I think that um, that's kind of what made me pursue the leadership in the organization. And so as I got to meet past presidents and like, and, and other folks that worked on the board, I think they saw something in me. And so I, I just kept trying to serve. And eventually people started tapping me on the shoulder, like, hey, you gonna run for president? Cause I think you'd be great. And I'm like, uh, you crazy. So again, I feel like, I feel like oftentimes we are, we can all kind of count ourselves out, you know, of opportunities. Um, and so luckily for me, I think I had one too many people telling me that I could do it. And it had actually been on my mind in a real, like not serious way um, uh, four years earlier or something once I first joined the organization. So I ended up realizing, you know what, I think I can contribute to making this, making people know about the organization, about the brand um, and, and allow us to grow in a way that we haven't before. And so I ended up running and the way that it works is like, you have to like put in your, it's like elections low key. It's, it is elections. It's an election process. You have to be voted in by our membership at our house of delegates meeting. Um, each chapter has a certain amount of uh, delegates that they can bring, starting with our founding chapters, Howard and Meharry, um, which I think probably have the most delegates, but every single chapter has a vote, has voting power. And so you have to go and you have to campaign. And then at our annual medical education conference, which is actually Easter weekend every year, so it's virtual next weekend, you have to go and speak to each region and there's 10. So you have to give 10 speeches, answer Q&A, so folks get to know you, and that's for all of the folks that are running for any national position. Um, and then speak at the House of Delegates, speak to the board of directors of that year, and then get voted in as whatever the position is. So for me, I was running for president-elect because you do that for one year, which kind of gives you the year to prep and to dream about what your executive agenda is going to be for the year. What are the program? What are the programs that you want to focus on? Um, and then you get another year for your actual president year, which is what's ending for me. So I've been, I was a president elect my third year of med school, president my fourth year. And then during my intern year for residency, I'll be the immediate past president. So it's pretty much a three year, three year gig. Wow. And then I'm, I'm also curious about like you, you have all of that currently, but in terms of heading towards medicine, now you're going to be, you're matched and you're going to be working in a hospital soon, but what was it that made you want to head there? Like how long has that been a big goal of yours? And why has that been a goal of yours? Because I mean, for myself, you know, I talk about this all the time. Um, I've always wanted to head into medicine personally. Uh, I wanted to be an ER doc when I was in my undergrad. Um, it was until I started actually volunteering in the ER and talking to a bunch of doctors, I just realized yeah. that that wasn't the life for me at the time. And then I dropped mm. out and started what I do now. Um, but for you, obviously, you've gone through all of it. You've seen what it's like. So it, you're, you're called to that life. You're called to that job. Um, why? Yeah, so I think, you know, I've had a lot of different run-ins with uh, the healthcare system, both here in the U.S. and in Nigeria uh, with uh, family members. And I think I realized that I wanted to make an impact in that specific way, like through medicine, being at the front lines for my patients. Um, knowing that I understood what they were going through, knowing that I understood, you know, the, the, the basic science and the pathology behind it and how to treat it or where to point them, like what, what, what direction can I put them in that would get them to reaching that health goal that they might've had or achieving like wellness, right? So I kind of, uh, I mean, I had a lot of run-ins early on um, 
my mom is actually a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, and I had a lot of like my, like my, just my grandparents um, watching them uh, go through the healthcare system in Nigeria and us trying to fly them out here to receive like emergency care, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. kind of was like my first initial, uh, I guess, uh, kind of running with the healthcare system and just understanding that there was a difference and what was that difference and how can I, how can I help to make that more equitable, you know? So I think my first kind of interest was more so along the lines of like global health um, and global medicine. But, you know, over time I realized like, man, this, there are similar communities in Nigeria that are here in the U.S., which is crazy. Um, and so, and also like, just for myself, I hadn't met a black doctor until I was like 24, 23 or 24, which is insane insane um and so I think that all of those things all of my lived experiences really impacted me to to help me to understand like one why I was interested I love the sciences I love the human body I love to see how I could heal you know um and two that this was a space that I could touch in a way that nobody else could I think that each of us brings something unique to the table no matter what arena or what industry that we're in um, and so this was one that I felt that God had specifically called me to. So I, I would say I was pretty young when I started feeling like I, I that being a doctor was, uh, you know, what I was called to do. But I think once I got into college, I started trying to make sure I wasn't, y'all watch the movie Inception. I really had to make sure that my parents hadn't accepted yeah. me with something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So once I kind of hopped over that hurdle and was like, okay, girl, no, you want this that's when I was like, all right, let's, 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 let's get it popping. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't go past college. I think there was an understanding and an awareness, but once I got into college, that's when I really was trying to make sure that it was for me and make sure I had confirmation and go from there. I'm interested to know, because I think people can hear your story. They can hear kind of how you've went from A to Z they can see the struggle, but I really want to ask about this joyful time that you're in, because like you said, this is a celebration time, right? So I think obviously you, you probably have been celebrating all week, but my question for you is, you know, as you move from this point forward, what, what does that vision look like? What's next for you? Because we we understand you'll be practicing medicine, but obviously that's just a part of who you are. So like you said, now that you're out of med school, you're, you're kind of the immediate pass for SNMA. Um, what, what's next for you? Because kind of the sky's the limit from what I can see as far as what you're going to be a, a part of, what you're going to accomplish. So what does that vision look like? Yeah, well, let's just let's just say this. I ain't a doctor yet, okay? I graduate May eighth, twenty twenty one. So until then, I will not take that responsibility because yeah, yeah. I haven't been studying. Um, <laughs> um, and same with SMA. SMA, I'm still president uh, for at least another two weeks. We have a major conference next week, so a little scratched, but you know, God is good. Um, as far as what's in front of me, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to just doing one thing. I've been juggling that? a lot for a long time and uh, uh, the pandemic has, I've lost a lot. I uh, share some struggles on Instagram and stuff. Yes. But there are a lot of things that I have not. Um, uh, so your girl is tired 
and I am excited to just take a break and, you know, just lean back into Baba God's arms on a beach somewhere, mm. drinking something sweet and strong and come into residency ready to learn and become the best. So I don't envision, I think at least for intern if y'all know anything about intern intern is very hard. The learning curve is like vertical. It's very steep. Uh, you feel very inadequate all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're forced to learn and, and, and like, it's like a, a fire hydrant, just spewing water and you have to catch every drop. So I am not gonna, I'm truly, I'm not gonna be focused on nothing else trying to be there for my patients and learn as much as I can so that within six months I can look back and be like hey yo that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life but I can sit here and I can be the only doctor on the floor overnight and my patients are good yeah so that's what my focus is that's what I'm excited to look forward to yeah and I want to piggyback on that when you said that huge stream of information that's coming in and you're trying to like really ingest all of it. This will probably be my last question. So can you tell us a little bit more about what you consume? I'm really interested to know, we talk to a lot of high performing people such as yourself and they always tell us about the books they read, the podcasts they listen to. Um, I'm interested to know even like the food, the music, like I feel like in order to do really high class, world class things, you have to watch what you consume so you can really perform at the highest level. So tell us about what you consume and what are some things, what are two or three things that you'll tell folks uh, uh, to be mindful about the things they consume? What, What are some takeaways you might give them? That's an excellent question, Brian. (laughs) um gracias currently 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 i'm consuming the word haven't read it in the past probably like two weeks i've been it's been a lot of things going on um and i feel it i feel like i'm thirsty um mm, getting a little emotional um so definitely the word is number one as far as what I listen to the most right now is also worship music. Um, oftentimes I think when I'm going through uh, hard times and I don't know what to say or what to do. Worship music gives me the words that my heart is yearning to say. Um, and so I try, I am, I am very mindful of what I consume. That is real, that is real. Very mindful of what I consume. Uh, because I notice, like, I'm, I'm a creative. I'm not that all creatives are the same, but I am very much influenced by music, by what I'm watching on TV. And uh, if I am paying attention, I can catch myself drifting off to a course that I wasn't trying to be on. So mm. uh, that's that's number one. Um, so in terms of like TV and stuff, honestly, I'm watching Snowfall right now. I think they're doing yeah, a really good job of. Everybody, you know, Nigel, come on now. But, I, yeah. you know, I think they're doing a really good job of showing like LA back then and like the, the history, the story behind it. Um, but I mean, I'm very mindful still of what I'm watching. So if if anything, I'm really not watching that anything at all. 
let's be quite honest with you, I'm catching up with people. It's mm-hmm. been a year where we don't get to have interactions with our friends and our families like we want. Um, it's been a year of where we've watched our friends and family pass away. Mm-hmm. And so I am, what I'm watching is my people on F, uh, FaceTime. I was going to say on FT. <laughs> yeah. um, um, I, again, I'm like meeting with people all the time. So I have a couple, I have a lot of books that I bought over the past like 10 months that I'm trying to get through, but some of them are pretty heavy. So like I've been reading medical apartheid. I'm only halfway through Ooh, and I'm just like, Ooh, we don't have to pause. It's real heavy. That's heavy. heavy. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple other books. Uh, Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. I think it's Mickey Kendall. I bought so many books that we have like on our SNMA reading list that we created after all the crap that was going on um, spring slash summer of 2020. So, I mean, I try to keep it light. If I could play Afrobeats and be in the gym, mm-hmm. I, run, I run with worship music. That always keeps me feeling like I'm ready to conquer the world, especially if I can do it in the morning. Um, the outside of that, I'd be playing my vinyls and yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I realized that if you consume in trash, you go, you're going to exude trash. So it's like really being mindful of that life cycle. And it's hard, right? Because, you know, we do enjoy our shows. We do enjoy that music or the people that we're around. But um, being very mindful and intentional about what we allow into our space because, you know, the world is waiting for for very beautiful things for us to do. So my friend, I, I thank you so much for your vulnerability. I think folks could hear your voice, right? And hear your your story. And I think that somebody's gonna be touched by it. So where can people find more about you and how can they stay in touch? Yeah, so you, um, folks can find me on Instagram. I do respond way faster to that than email. Um, at O-S-O-S-E-E, because someone took my name, so I had to add mm. an extra E to the back. Um, or you can, yeah, or you can find me on Twitter. I'm just, I'm trying to get on there, and you know, it's, it's 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 hip and stuff in the medicine world. So you can find me there at O S O S E O B O H. My full name Asase Obo, and we can chat. Thank you so much for your for your time, and we'll talk to the rest of y'all very soon.